Awesome. We're going to hear from the Holy Spirit this morning. And you know, I stand here just humbled but proud at the same time to be a follower of Jesus. He is awesome. So I'm going to declare to the east, I'm going to declare to the west, I'm going to declare to the north and the south that Jesus Christ is Lord. Heaven is plundered today through the preaching of the word by the power of his spirit that reigns in here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to share this morning on a topic called a rock and a hard place. And I think hopefully they should have got that through the week and it will be coming up. Genesis 28. I am going to share on Genesis 28 this morning about Jacob. And I'm going to read quite a few verses and you're going to say, praise God. Okay, uh, sorry, Genesis 28 verse 10. And this is about Jacob, a rock in a hard place. Verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the rocks there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a staircase or a ladder. I've asked him to bring me one out. And it was resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, this is to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. What a generous father we have, eh? Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. What a great promise of safety that is, eh? I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's for us today, church, especially in light of what we've seen and had this last week. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Sometimes you are not aware that the Lord is still moving even when you don't think he is, eh? But he is. And he said, verse 17, he was afraid. This is Jacob saying this. And he said, how awesome is this place? When God shows up, it is awesome. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And verse 18 says, Early the next morning, Jacob took the rock he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, which means house of God, though the city used to be called Luz. I want to talk to you this morning about a rock and a hard place. Jacob is a twin. He has a brother called Esau. And Jacob was born 
holding, literally coming out onto the heel of his brother. Jacob was a man who constantly through life was holding on because he was going through some hard stuff. And he always was one of, uh, being the younger brother, wanted to feel like he was going to get blessed. He didn't want to miss out on life. And I've got twin sisters in my family, and I can tell you when I talked to my sister, who was the younger of the twins, she said sometimes she felt like she was following in the footsteps of her older sister, and she was two minutes ahead of her. And she said, why is my sister smart? Why does she do well in life? And one day, God had to reveal who he was to my sister, just like he did to Jacob. And the name Jacob means deceiver or liar, supplanter, and one who grabs the heel. And I can tell you that you might think that you are holding on to life this morning, and there are people, a lot of them just feel they are just holding on to life. God wants to do a work in your life like he did with Jacob. And Jacob decided he wanted to take matters into his own hands. See, Jacob was in a family where their mum and dad were divided in their affection. Jacob was a mummy's boy, and Esau was a father's son. And that was because men like food, and Jacob, I mean, Esau hunted, so he was his dad's favorite, whereas I'd like to think that Jacob was a bit of a chef in a way, because he actually cooked up for his brother. When his brother came in and he was hungry, he said, I'm going to die. I want some of your stew. Jacob said, okay, I want your firstborn blessing, because there is a firstborn blessing on every son, and it was a very special blessing. And Jacob, because he hangs on and he's a deceiver, he was hanging on to life, and he wanted that blessing. And so, what Jacob didn't understand, like his grandfather understood, his grandfather was Abraham. And Abraham, one day, was faced with a situation with his nephew Lot, where they had so many herds, and they were at a crossroads in life, really, where Abraham said, if you choose the left lot, I'll go to the right. But if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Because what Abraham understood was the blessing followed him. I can tell you that wherever you go, the blessing follows you. It hunts you down. You don't have to go after it and chase it like Jacob desperately wanted blessing. It hunted him down. And you might be here holding on to life. And I can tell you that... Jacob is found here in Genesis 28 at one of the most hardest parts of his life because his brother wants to now take him out because he's been deceived. He's been robbed of his blessing. His father has spoken the blessing over Jacob because Jacob dresses up to even fool his father who was blind and couldn't see. He even fools his father into thinking he is Esau, so he robs the blessing off his older brother and takes it. And Esau says, I'm going to take him out. 
And that's not to Jimmy Jacks for pork ribs. That's to take him out. That's to curtain him. He's out for his life. And Jacob, we find in this part of this chapter, is on the run. He's running from his family. He's running from his problems. Everything that has been comfortable to Jacob has now been taken from him through his own actions, but he's on the run. And you might say, oh, I feel really sorry for Esau. He was real shortchanged. I actually don't feel sorry for Esau because we look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I can tell you that Esau went on to have bitterness that was handed down from generation to generation. How do we know that? The Bible tells us when you read the Word of God, the Edomites were descended from Esau. Edom means red. Esau means red because he was red. He must have had a Scottish blood in him as well or something. But anyway, he, they, the Edomites were cruel people, totally in opposition to the nation of Israel. They would try and take them out whenever they could. And this was a generational thing that was handed down from Father Esau because he had a root of bitterness that had never been dealt with and unforgiveness. We have to forgive, church. Whatever we face in life, forgiveness is so important because it frees you, and I'm going to share about that. And another thing, an Edomite, King Herod, he was the villain of the Christmas story. He hears that a king has been born who is Jesus, and he wants to take him out. And so what does he do? He gets and sends an order out of the day to kill all male babies. That's what, Edom, that's what came from Esau, because King Herod was an Edomite. And you know, we actually are facing that today. There are laws getting passed in nations and, and states, even New York, where they are saying it is okay to kill a baby after it is born. It is not okay, church. It will never be okay because life is sacred and important to God. That's the family of the Edomites, and it is not on. So Jacob here is running from his brother. He's running from his life. He's running from his problems. He's in a hard place. And what does he do? He gets weary and he wants to rest. So he gets a rock and he uses it for a pillow. When you have the audacity to rest on the rock, things begin to happen. And the Bible doesn't tell us that he was whining on the rock or complaining about his situation it tells us that he was resting. When you rest everything on the rock of Jesus, you will win in life. I can tell you that. You will win in life. And it tells us that he, was, he went to sleep and he had a dream. You know, dreams are birthed in the hard place sometimes, aren't they? When we go through trials and we've got nothing left, 
Because it tells us later on in other chapters that Jacob just came out with nothing but a stick. It was like a stick just to help him walk through the rough terrain. And on his rough path, he had nothing but a stick when he came out. But I can tell you that no matter the rough situation that you might be facing today, that dreams are bust in, in places of hard times. Dreams are born. And Jacob has a dream. And through prayer, we see sometimes in life, this is some things that I want to share, sometimes in life there is a desert before the promised land. There is a drought before the rain. There is a cross before the empty tomb. The hard place does not define you. The hard place reveals who you really are. And I can tell you that the hard place revealed who Jacob was. Because Jacob had never ever had an encounter with God. This was his first encounter with him. Jesus is our rock. You can trust him with your path. Psalm 62 says this, On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in him. Isaiah 26 and 4, trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. Jacob uses the rock as a pillar. The children of Israel were never told to build a permanent home in the wilderness. The children of Israel were going through a hard place through the wilderness because of their own doing, just like Jacob God didn't say, pack up, build a permanent home there. He said, keep walking through because there's something better at the other side. There is always a promised land for you. And when in the hard place, dreams are birthed. So here we have Jacob and he sees a ladder and it's reaching from earth to heaven. And it tells us something else that's interesting there in that passage, which may come up again if it could, because it is quite important. It says, and the Lord is standing there. Now, when I read my Bible, it says to me that Jesus is seated in heavenly places. But here it says that he is standing. And I'm like, why is he standing and I want to suggest to you this, that when you are going through a hard time, Jesus is your biggest cheerleader. He is standing there to encourage you in winning life's battles. And you remember that Steve, Stephen in the Bible, who was the first martyr for Jesus. He was killed because of his love and faith in Jesus Christ by Saul and those that took up the stones. And it says there that Jesus, he saw Jesus standing. What honor is that, that our heavenly father, every time Jesus welcomes home to heaven, one of his loved ones, he stands to greet them. What an amazing savior we have, eh? And it says, the ladder was resting on the earth and touching heaven. And it tells us in this chapter that angels were ascending, going up, 
and descending, going up first and coming down. That tells me that as you pray, heaven invades us. Your prayers make heaven move. You better believe it, church. We can pray for our nation. We can pray for our loved ones because the Satan wants to rob us of families. He's robbed people of their families, but he will not prevail. And we will see families blessed in our nation through the power of Jesus and the power of our prayers. I'm dreaming of a nation that has great encounters with the Lord. Great supernatural move of God. Isn't it awesome? And so Jacob has an encounter with the Lord. And I believe that as Jesus is standing there, he's telling him something. He starts speaking to Jacob. And he's reminding him, because his grandfather Abraham knew Jesus, and Isaac knew Jesus, but Jacob, well, he'd had a hard time, and he just was, who is Jesus? And Jesus says to him, I am the Lord. Just in case you are forgetting, Jacob, I am the Lord. Just in case you are forgetting, church, with everything that has gone on in our last week, Jesus is Lord. Sometimes we don't understand why these things happen. Guess what? You are not meant to understand why these things happen. But what you need to know today is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is on the throne. He is in control and that you have nothing to fear. He is the Prince of Peace. And so Jacob has an encounter, an amazing encounter. Prayer moves heaven. You don't need to have fancy prayer. You don't need to repeat a lot of repetition prayers. I can tell you, you can say the shortest prayer ever. Two years ago, I go nearly every year lately, I've gone back home. And... Um, we were driving on a motorway, and I've shared this before, but I just feel it's appropriate to share it again. We were driving on a motorway, and I was sitting in the front. Paul was driving. The kids were in the back, and they can speak to this. And all of a sudden, on the motorway, it's busy. I mean, I don't know if you have 70 million people with like two or three cars, each pair family. There's a lot of traffic on the road. I started, we started to see an accident right in front of us. And what happened was there was a truck with a caravan getting pulled behind with a, with a car. And the guy in the car decided he didn't want to bother waiting for the truck. So he swerved out to overtake the truck. Because he swerved too quickly, the caravan started to do this. And there was going to be a major accident. The truck put on his brakes. He didn't know what to do. He moved over a little bit to try and avoid the accident. And the woman, I could see it all. And this is happening in seconds. The woman, and not the driver, the woman uh, that was maybe her husband or partner or whatever was sitting in the seat and she put her hands up because she was scared the accident was going to happen. And I, I'm looking at this and I just felt the Holy Spirit come upon me 
And I just went, Father, I yelled, literally, eh? I just yelled, Father, stop the accident. I just did that. And the caravan stopped swaying. And it just drove on as if nothing had ever happened. That person that was driving that car there that day and that ma- the woman never ever knew that heaven touched earth that day because I prayed a very short and quick prayer in the matter of seconds and God moved. That's what prayer does. Prayer moves heaven and it works and it's powerful. I'm a great believer in it because I'm a believer in Jesus. Eh? And so he calls the place Bethel, house of God and the gate of heaven. Do you know what God's house is? Jesus tells us in Matthew, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Prayer is what moves heaven. Prayer is what will move our nation in a time like this and future. We're going to see our nation change because all eyes, even more so, are on New Zealand at the present time. They're going to see how we react and we're going to respond in prayer and in love. It's going to be mighty. I can tell you that. People are going to come to Christ. And Bethel, wow, the house of God. And so here we have a step, a ladder, and this is what Jacob saw. And I want to share some of the things on the ladder with you this morning. And I actually got these five points. It's a spiritual hand-me-down from Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. But I want to share it because I think it's cool. The first step, five F's. Faithfulness. That's the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The first step that we take on our path is faith. Jesus is Lord. Number two step. The second one, forgiveness. To be forgiven, you need to have the faith to believe it, that Jesus has forgiven you. What does 1 John 1 and verse 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Past, present, and future sins. What a great God we have of grace. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Understanding how much you are forgiven allows you the freedom to love much. That was what was said about Mary Magdalene. She'd been forgiven much. Guess what? She loved much. Forgiveness is powerful. Not only has God forgiven you, but you can forgive every person that has wronged or offended you or harmed you. And we can't go forward and move to step three until we forgive because it will keep coming back to step two until we free up and let go of that unforgiveness. It's very important. Forgiving yourself as well as forgiving others, by the way. Some people actually don't even forgive themselves. It frees you to move forward. Step three, freedom. Wow. When you let go of forgiveness, you have freedom. I love being free. 
because I've forgiven people and I've forgiven myself. And I tell you what, I love the power and freedom of being in Christ, a new creature in Christ. John 8 and 32 says this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. And if the Son sets you free, this is John 8 and 38, you will be free indeed. Who is truth? Jesus is truth. What a powerful step. Faith, forgiveness, freedom. Step four. One, two, three, four. We're on step four. Fruitfulness. Wow. When you get when you forgive, you will become fruitful. You will be free to be fruitful. Proverbs 11 and 30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Wow, we've got life in excite church this morning. I love it. And he who is wise wins souls. Got to pray for our nation. There's a lot of souls needing winning out there. John 15 and 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, not that you might bear fruit, but that we will. We are a church of people who will bear fruit. I believe it. I'm going to declare it out. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not worried if you have faithful to believe it. You're going to bear fruit. When I'm on the shift, you're bearing fruit. Wow. Better believe it. Preach it, sister. People want to be pr- fruitful before they are faithful, eh? You like to get the goods before you're faithful, but God says faithful brings fruitfulness. Walk in integrity, and in the name of Jesus, we can declare I am about to bear fruit like never before in my life. My family and this church will be fruitful. My calling will be fruitful. Everything I do will bear fruit for my glory, nor for his glory. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Isn't that the greatest thing? And the next step, one, two, three, four, five. You're getting to the top there on the ladder. Guess what the last five F is? Favor. Do you know that you are a highly favored daughter and son of the Most High God, the creator of the universe? Jacob didn't realize it. He was trying to deceitfully get the blessing because he thought he wasn't a favored child. But he had an encounter with Jesus. And an encounter with Jesus, so what will change you? From feeling that you had done by poor me syndrome to the highly favored daughter and son of the Most High God, you better believe it. I walk like I'm favored and I talk like I'm favored. I even have a sister who says, Why are you always blessed? And I said, do you want to know why? Because I expect it. You start expecting blessing this morning, church, and you believe that that favor is ours because it's my firstborn inheritance. What Jacob tried and got through robbing his brother, ours is through Jesus Christ who's given us it. It is yours, church, and I tell you what, I'm going to take whatever heaven's got for me, and it's a, it's, a, it's a crown jewels. You better believe it. I've been to see the crown jewels too. They're pretty amazing, but that's nothing to what our King of Kings has in his heavenly realm. It's awesome. Love it. 
Favor is always on top. And notice as you start to climb the ladder and get up there, what do you do? You hold on. You hold on. Jesus is the ladder. You thought it was all you and through your efforts, eh? Nah, it's Jesus. You've got to hold on to Jesus through your pathway in life, wherever you are walking, wherever hard pathway you are on, you hold on to Jesus the ladder. You will have faith. You'll have forgiveness. You'll have fruitfulness, freedom, and favor. Isn't that good? Psalm 84 and 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Psalm 30 and 5 says this, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Isn't that cool? Wow, I just love that. And you know, we are highly favored. And I had to walk a hard path last year. Uh, my mother passed away suddenly, and we, we were flying out to, um, on the Sunday after church. We were literally driving down to Oakland to get a flight to go over. I was flying to Paris first, two days there, and then going to spend time with my family to just be with them and uh, support them. And uh, the weekend that it happened, Paul came down with, with a tummy bag and he said, I'm not going to be, he told me on Saturday, I'm not going to be able to preach Ruth, you're going to have to preach. Now, I was up a lot in that night because I had to share. And I also um, had to drive all the way to Auckland. And I also have never managed to sleep on the plane. So I thought, I can do it my way. So I thought, I'm going to just go to the doctor and get me a sleeping pill to knock me out for the 17 hours on a plane. I tell you what, you think it's a long way flying to Aussie? Try 17 without sleeping. Anyway, so I went to the doctor and he went, oh yeah, and, and people said, just, just take half a tablet because you'll probably get two, three hours. So I thought, boy, I'm taking a whole tablet. I want six hours out the way and, and I'll get there. Do you know how long I slept? Zilch. But while on the plane, I said, Lord, I need to be, I need you to be with me during this hard path that I'm going to walk and that you will be with me. And do you know what the Lord said? He said, I am the Lord. And he said, I am already waiting in Paris to welcome you because I don't live in time. I live in your future. And your future is good here this morning because Jesus is already there waiting to welcome you this morning. And as I was on that plane, I never slept, but spiritually, I just got off that plane. I don't think I slept for 48, probably longer hours. And I was spiritually refreshed because I had an encounter with Jesus that will far outweigh any sleeping on a plane. God is so good. And I want to tell you this. I'm nearly finished, sorry, but this is important. And if you've got your Bibles and you brought them to church, you will see that Jacob anoints the rock to the Lord. And I thought, that's weird. 
curiosity killed the cat, I said, okay, Dad in heaven, why did he do that? And you know what I feel in my spirit that God said? Jacob was handing the hard place to the Lord. And he was saying, this is yours. I'm going to give it to you, this hard thing that I have passed in my life. I'm going to anoint it, and it's yours, Lord. Take it. I don't want to deal with it. You are in control, and you are Lord over every situation in my life. So he anoints the hard place. And it doesn't finish there, because the chapter 28 does finish. But you know what? This is about restoration. God doesn't see that we go through life empty. Jacob walked out empty from his homeland there that day. But in chapter 29, it says this. When you read chapter 29, it says, Then Jacob continued on his journey. Don't pack up in your hard place, church. Keep walking. Keep walking. And it says, And he came to the land of the eastern peoples. And verse 2 says this, There he saw a well. Jesus is your well. He is uh, 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 the, the water of life for you. And he has a well of blessings for you. He has a well of encouragement. He's got a well of strength for you. And Jacob inherits his own family because through Jacob, do you know what? A nation is birthed. Who would have thought a deceiver, a liar, one who grabs the heel and is like hanging on to life, don't forget me, I'm here. Jesus births a nation through Jacob. Twelve tribes of Israel come from Jacob. He was restored more than he ever had before. God's got great blessing for you this morning, church. Let's stand. I want to sing.